Welcome to Her Next Play's Power Chat Podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat Podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Sarah Wegman, and I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Dr. Erin Ayala, to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. Dr. Ayala is a licensed sports psychologist who specializes in health and sports psychology. She was a multi-sport athlete growing up and now works at Premier Sports Psychology, helping athletes identify goals, enhance self-awareness and motivation, and overcome barriers to reaching peak performance. Dr. Ayala, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. You have been such a great advocate for Her Next Play. We met when you came and spoke at the Edina Girls Sports Summit. Our junior varsity board had won a Bold Idea grant and pulled together a sports summit for more than 130 middle school girls. And I'll never forget, you did such a great job. You had them blowing bubbles and making snowballs with self-talk and throwing those around the room. And it was such a highlight um, and a fantastic part of the event. Thank you. That was honestly one of the presentations that I've been most anxious about in my entire career. Because well, middle school I, girls are terrified. <laughs> I think the yeah, the ultimate test of like acceptance is middle school girls. So I was so thrilled and relieved to walk away knowing that that we did a really nice job with that workshop with them. That that was such a great event. You did a really great job and it, it truly was one of those highlights. So we're just thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Um, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month, as I'm sure you're very aware. Um, and I think many of us going through this pandemic and dealing with different disruptions to our routines and daily life are struggling with mental health. And as we've talked to athletes in our community, mental health just comes up almost in every conversation. So super excited to have you on the podcast today. We have a number of questions um, from athletes about mental health, but before we dive into those, I want to start though talking about your experience with sports and your career. So you were a multi-sport athlete. You played four sports growing up in Wisconsin in high school. So cross country, track, basketball, and volleyball. You've completed nine marathons, seven half distance triathlons, and one full distance triathlon, which it just is exhausting to me to read the 140 miles that that includes. <laughs> um, and now you're a member of a women's cycling team in Minneapolis and you compete in road gravel and cyclocross races, which you'll have to tell us exactly what that is. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. wow. Uh, tell me about the role sports has played in your life. It's amazing because I think the role that sports has played in my life has really shifted over the years. And it's, fascinating to me now as a psychologist, I look back on why I joined sports when I was younger. And I think it was for sometimes superficial reasons like body image. There are so many girls who really struggle with body image and I was not, and I was one of them as well. And um, so it was an opportunity for me to be active and I think to feel happier with what my body could do and, and who I was growing into, into becoming. Um, so early on, I think it was a, an outlet for some sort of acceptance and belonging for both myself and others. And then it really turned into more of a social thing where 
a lot of my friends were also athletes. And so growing up in a small town in Wisconsin, I graduated with a class of 60 other people. There are only so many people in the high school. And so the athletes got to kind of hang out together and travel together on the buses through small towns in Wisconsin. And, and, um, and then I really, I took a break in college and I focused on academics and I, I buried myself in my books and I worked full time through college and I did not play and I missed it. Um, yeah, but it was hard to get back. And, and really, I didn't get back till grad school. And it's so funny again, because uh, sports has looked so different for me. I was in traditional team sports when I was in high school. And then once I started graduate school, it was more of the running, the cycling and the swimming. Um, But the reasons that have brought kind of brought sport into my life, it's really, again, starting with finding community, but it has become so much more. It's a huge part of my identity now, I'd say more than it ever has been. Right. Well, I think a lot of athletes are really interested in staying in the game one way or another, and many are interested in sports psychology. Can you tell us a little bit about what a sports psychologist does and what a typical day looks like for you? Yes. So we're trained as your traditional therapist or psychologist. And so we're trained first to help with depression, anxiety, stress, Um, disordered eating, you know, more of those kind of mental health difficulties and concerns. And then on top of that, we specialize to work with athletes because athletes have very unique stressors in addition to what the average person experiences because of the travel, because of the competition, because of the pressure to perform, um, because of the pressure to get recruited um, to different teams. and, And it all looks so different. And so we learn about that. And then we learn about the performance piece too. And that is what makes us really unique is we see our work as a huge continuum. And on one one end or one area of the continuum, you have that mental health, the depression, anxiety, stress. Um, It could also be performance anxiety, for example. And then on the other end, you have people who are doing really, really well and they want to do better, especially when it comes to sport and performance. So it's helping them focus on focus, motivation, goal setting, being really intentional with their training. Okay. So at Her Next Play, we're really passionate about how sports builds leadership skills. If you think back to your experience in sports, has any of that translated into your career as a sports psychologist and what skills did you build that really helped you in your career? Yes, a hundred percent. It has helped. I think, I think there are two main areas in which it's helped. One is communication and the importance of kind of sitting with yourself and figuring out what are my strengths and what are my growth areas and how can I communicate that to other people. And it's important to do that as an athlete so you know how to improve, but it's really important to do that as a professional and as a leader in the community so you know how to give and how to show up most effectively. So being able to communicate my strengths as a, as a young woman, sometimes that feels uncomfortable because we're taught to be pretty modest and humble and, and don't brag, don't be too arrogant. But it's really important for us to know, you know, what we can bring to the table. I was just on a a webinar yesterday where someone was talking about that very issue. And what they said is, I loved their quote, if it's a fact, it's not bragging. So absolutely about your accomplishments. And that's just a fact. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And it's important to own them. You know, you've we've worked for them. 
Right. And, and so there's no need for us to hide or to underestimate our abilities and what we can bring to a team, whether that's an athletic team or a professional team. Um, so that has been huge for me is owning my strengths and owning my growth areas and then being able to create a game, game plan to work on them. Um, I think the other thing that's been really important for leadership is taking risks in a healthy way based on your values and based on what's important to you. And even when you take those risks, like a risk is inherently there's an opportunity for it to go awry or for you to fail. Like that's why it's a risk. Things may not go as planned. Right. And that's where you experience the most growth and the most development because that's where we learn. And so for me as a leader, it's been really important to remember I'm going to make mistakes and it's okay because that means that I'm learning and that means that I'm growing. And, and so if we're not taking risks, we're in our comfort zone and we're not really expanding what we can do and who we are. So. Absolutely. And I think that as we work with girls and young women, that's one of those things where we constantly see this fear of failure and, and not wanting to mess, make a mistake. And so that, that ability that sports gives you to try things out and fail and be resilient is so critical, I think, particularly mm -hmm. with girls and young women. Yeah. And it's still, it's been helpful for my own, my cycling now, like I race bikes and it's scary. It's, you know, like there's, there's potential to crash. There's a potential to make a mistake and crash someone else out because of something that you did. And we don't want to be responsible for that, but the more scared you are, the more tense you are, and then the more likely you are to crash. So it's right. important to be able to do things that help with that confidence. And one of the things I've been doing more of lately is just posting my mistakes on the bike and laughing about it and reflecting on it and, and just owning it. You know, no one is perfect, especially like on social media, we often forget that. And right. so for me, owning those mistakes and showing them on social media, it's actually been, I think, pretty helpful for me and for other people because they're like, oh, she falls off her bike too. <laughs> right. No, I think that's absolutely true. And I think social media, but even if we, when we talk about our own careers and our own experiences, I mean, we really do often edit out all of the challenges and mistakes and struggles. So it feels like, I think for people that are looking up to you, like, oh, that person, you know, she's so successful and look at everything she's accomplished. I don't think we do a very good job talking about some of the struggles sometimes, um, which everybody has. So mm -hmm. I agree. Great points. So I want to turn to mental health for athletes. It's mental health awareness month um, and get some advice from you in dealing with the challenging situation that we're in right now. So even pre COVID mental health for athletes was such a high priority topic in sports. And as we go out and talk to athletic directors and coaches and athletes, I mean, I'm constantly shocked at how much mental health comes up, even in the conversation around leadership development or career development for athletes. It's always such a key focus and I think a priority for those that are working in and around sports. So I'd love to hear from you what do you see as some of those unique mental health challenges that both athletes and then in particular female athletes um, tend to see and have? Yeah, I think right now it's been really difficult for a lot of folks because of all of the unknowns. Like we just don't know where we're gonna be two months from now. And for athletes in particular, like we, we get so much from our teams, from our communities, from our sport. And when asked, like the sports have not been taken away, they're still there. And our identities as athletes are absolutely still there. They have not gone anywhere. At the same time, 
the day-to-day -day interaction, the day-to-day -day routine, um, the, the physical connections that we get with those teammates, we haven't had them for two months. And I think that's been really hard. Um, and so I think some of the mental health pieces that I've seen, I've seen mostly um, depression and anxiety. And a lot of it is pertaining to just worries about the future. And um, things like, am I going to get recruited? Am I going to get an offer? Because now my club season has been canceled and this was my year for recruitment. Right. Um, or like I lost a season. Now I have to prove myself and show up and have like the best season ever next year because it's going to be my last one. But can I actually do that if I haven't played? And so it's like that spiral of thinking. Right. And so a lot of the work that I've done is helping athletes not get caught up by those negative thoughts and basically like letting them happen. Um, because otherwise what happens is athletes can start shaming and blaming themselves for thinking negatively. And then they get more frustrated with themselves because they're like, I shouldn't be thinking like this. And, yes. and that's another spiral. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our work and tips lately with the athletes have been, what do you have control over today? And how do you want to show up today? Given what you have control over, what does that look like for you? What would a successful day look like? And let's focus on that. And then also helping the athletes focus on like, this is a, hopefully we will never ever have a pandemic like this again. Right. And so this is actually a really, really unique situation where sport may not have been or may not be at the forefront of your life. What do you want to do with this time? And so it's also been helping athletes shift a little bit and think more creatively. Right. I think it's interesting because I definitely have heard from some athletes that we work with that there's actually a sense of relief where they've never had any time off from their sport. So to not have to be so focused and working so hard, there's, there's been some relief in just getting a break. Um, but I think on the other end of the spectrum for some, and I know this is true for me too, I play competitive tennis now and I mean, that's my only workout. I mean, I, I've never been able to go to the gym on my own or just go to workout class. Like I love playing sports and that's how I exercise, but it's also my mental health outlet. So if I have frustrations or I just need to get away from work, I mean, that's my coping mechanism. So I think for a lot of athletes having all of these different disruptions to sleep, you know, potentially, you know, things changing with their jobs and and not being able to have that social connection and not being able to, for those of us that don't get a runner's high and don't love running, um, you know, especially the last over the last couple of months, there just haven't been a lot of options um, for sport. So I would love to hear your um, perspective on just how can, how can athletes kind of manage through this time? Because it, it feels sometimes like there's just like so many things that are different and so many of the support systems at the same time aren't there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, being really helping athletes be really intentional with their time and saying like, what are your priorities and your intentions today? What's important to you? Is it connecting with a loved one or a teammate that you haven't talked to in, you know, in two months? Um, call them or set up a, you know, Skype, FaceTime, do, you know, Zoom, whatever it is and, and just connect with them. Um, or is it moving the body? And, and that I think is really important for athletes is remembering because for some it's like, well, it's not worth it. I'm not training for anything. Like 
some people say like, yes, you are. You're training for life. <laughs> um, I say, yes, you are. The work you do now is your foundation for the next season. So it's not lost. It's still, you're building your foundation, you're strengthening it. So keep moving. Right. Well, it's interesting to your point about training, because I think a lot of young athletes in particular, you know, they're, they're really used to all of that structure and support to practice their sport and train and competition. And so it's such a challenge now to have to, in a time where I think a lot of people are exhausted and overwhelmed to then find even more motivation Mm -hmm. to be able to continue that training on their own and do things maybe without that structure and support. So yeah, I guess one of those, I love all your ideas of like, how can you find different ways to stay motivated and set goals? Um, Because we will come out of this and you still want to want to be in a place that's going to keep you competitive. Even for like current, like high school and probably middle school as well, like TikTok, I, (laughs) I joined the dark side and, and joined TikTok a few days ago, just because I know how many of my athletes use it. The fitness challenges on there are so fun. And we know that you're not going to nail it the first time you try it. So if you're doing something with like planks or burpees, you're going to do a bunch of planks and burpees in order to get that right. And so like make it fun, you know, and that's another good way to do it is, you know, you don't have rules for the first time in a really long time. You don't have that structure. And so how can we take advantage of that right now? Absolutely. So I, I just read an article that Michael Phelps wrote and, you know, the most decorated Olympian of all time, 28 medals. Um, and he shared that quarantine and the pandemic has caused him to feel the most overwhelmed he's ever felt. Mm -hmm. And I think that resonated with me. And I have heard that from a lot of other people too, that this really is the most overwhelmed a lot of us have ever felt, um, Mm -hmm. because of all those different challenges. So have you, I know a lot of people who don't necessarily haven't, um, you know, don't have a relationship with a therapist or kind of haven't had, some of these mental health challenges before it can feel hard to reach out now and, and get help. What do you, what is your advice on, um, how to do that? How to, how to know if you need professional help, um, versus, you know, everyone's kind of stressed out right now. And then how would you kind of, what are the resources to plug into during this time? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, it's so hard because everyone is different. And so what I often say to people is you don't know until you try it. And I think some athletes might feel like they may not be stressed enough or sick enough or depressed or anxious enough to make it worthwhile. But I say, and that's the beauty, especially of sports psychology is it's always worthwhile. Like there's always something that you can work on and stress and feelings of overwhelm are a totally legitimate reason. And, um, And if anything, by doing some of that work now and and making a phone call and reaching out to someone, it can help you for future situations too with stress management and self-awareness and figuring out like what works for me, what doesn't. So then in the future, you can respond more effectively to other situations too. Um, I think honestly, the best way, there are so many different ways to find help and like Google is one of them. Um, but for me, I've always found that the personal connections and referrals have been most helpful. And I think it helps with some of that stigma that some athletes can have about being like, I don't want to see a therapist or I shouldn't have to see a therapist. But I'll tell you right now, a lot of athletes see therapists, um, Mm -hmm. some of the best. 
And, and so I think it's also our responsibility as athletes to be open and to talk about it. And so for anyone who's like on the fence and thinking about it, I say, talk to one of your best friends in your inner circle and being like, Hey, I'm feeling this way. Have you ever talked to anyone? Do you know anyone whom I could talk to? And just, I think starting that conversation can be really, really helpful. And therapists are seeing patients virtually yes. right now. So yeah. that support is um, shut down. Mm-hmm. And I have had some new, you know, some new clients since the start of all of this for similar reasons is being like, well, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I just, it's too much and I need to talk to someone. And, and, and that's what we're doing is we're doing it via telehealth and it's um, HIPAA compliant software. So everything is super secure. There's no concerns about recording or um, any sort of, you know, privacy. And so that's all um, really high quality. So it's not the same as in person, you know, sometimes there's technical difficulties and this, but we work with it and that's just part of the situation and it helps both of us respond with flexibility, so. So what's interesting is sometimes even all the advice on self-care can be overwhelming. So I think, yeah. you know, on one hand, it's like, you need to take care of yourself and you can learn a new language and, you know, start a new garden and bake bread and all these different things. Um, so if you had, and I know it's hard because everyone's different, but for athletes who are wanting to make sure they're doing the right things to maintain strong mental health, I mean, do you have like one or two strategies or pieces of advice that they should focus on just again because it's Mm -hmm. overwhelming yeah that's a good yeah there's like sourdough bread is huge right now (laughs) everyone's doing that um i think it's reminding athletes i think need to first remind themselves my self-care might be different from someone else's and that's okay um so i think that being said the general advice i'd provide we know that exercise and just any sort of physical activity and regular physical activity is really important for physical and mental health. Um, We know that it's a good kind of buffer or preventive factor for depression and anxiety and just overall stress management. And so staying active, whatever that looks like. Um, I think the other thing that I would focus on is sleep. Um, We know that sleep is also very, very linked to sport performance, but also mental health and, um, and also just like stability in terms of like your daily routine. It's something, if you can make a routine around your sleep, it eases the stress with the rest of your day. Um, and it's easier on your body. And it also helps for like recovery, for memory, for concentration, irritability, getting crabby and moody. (laughs) And so the other thing I encourage athletes to do is try to get a sleep routine down. Um, Yeah. So we had some questions that we got from our community of athletes that I wanted to ask. The number one was, what do you say to those athletes that believe mental toughness is key to their success? So they need to be tough and push through feeling bad, down, or overwhelmed. Ah, Really good question. So I have a metaphor that I really like to use for this one. And um, I've heard some of my own colleagues at Premier use this metaphor and other sports psychologists use it as well. There's a phrase in sport that people have often heard, like we bend, we don't break. 
And that phrase comes into play here. So if we think about it in sport and competition, we have to be flexible and we have to bend. If we go in with one specific plan and we try to force that plan in competition, it's probably not gonna work. Um, and so when it comes to mental toughness, if you think about like hurricanes in Florida from the Gulf Coast, the trees that are often the last trees standing are the palm trees. And the palm trees are the ones that are most flexible and the ones that are willing to really blow and flex in the wind. So when adversity hits them, they do okay. Another similar analogy is like the St. Louis Arch. If you go to St. Louis and you look up underneath the arch, you'll see that it's swaying back and forth a little bit. And at first it's kind of scary because you see a building moving above you, but that's intentional. And so the architects intentionally build buildings and skyscrapers that will flex in the wind. So when it comes to mental toughness and sport, if we are too rigid and we try to force things, we are more likely to break. And that often means 100 to zero. <laughs> um, or it just means like a complete lack of self-awareness and we're doing things that are really problematic and we're digging holes for ourselves, like injury, for example. And so we as athletes need to be flexible. And so I, I always say, think of the palm trees. Love it. Um, all right. So social distancing and isolation is affecting a lot of athletes. Um, our question was, how can they reduce the distress they feel being so isolated? Yeah, I think that's a tough one because the video connection isn't the same as being in person. Right. And so doing whatever we can to find like in-person, um, like similar to in-person conversations that we might have. And so like a lot of people don't talk on the phone anymore. Um, I when I was young, <laughs> that's all we did, middle school, especially in high school. Um, it was like lots of late night phone conversations. And I still remember like hiding in my office and at my house, hoping my mom or dad wouldn't pick up the phone and like, I've been there. Talking. Yeah. And so I like pick up the phone. Um, and talk. And I, I think that's a really important piece because social media is just not, it, it's right. not the same as much as I love it. And as much as I use it, it is not a substitute. Um, so I think finding opportunities, the other thing that's really important is like quality one-on-one -on -one time where you're fully present with that person and with that conversation. Intentional conversations are awesome for human connection being willing to be a little bit vulnerable and sharing that some things that are personal to you and how you're doing. And if, if that's a little uncomfortable, like bringing in some games, because there are some really cool like card games that you can get on Amazon or other places where you ask questions and you right. basically go around in a circle asking people different questions. And it's basically icebreakers, super sure. fun. And, um, and everything from silly, like, you know, if you were to play a character in a movie, which one would you play and why? And so those are also fun ways to, to connect with people on a different level. Right. I feel like people have gotten really creative in, in how they've done that sometimes in terms of like Zoom happy hours, but being able to play games over Zoom and, and yes. different things like that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So the next question was, do you have any book recommendations for athletes who are working to become more present calm and less reactive. Mm, I have so many. <laughs> okay. So one of my favorite recommendations is, uh, he, his, he's an Australian psychologist. His name is Russ Harris. 
and he's written a few books. One of them is called The Happiness Trap. And that is a really good book. Um, The other one that I really like, especially for middle school and high school girls, uh, though it also applies to college women, is The Confidence Gap. And also by Russ Harris. And he really does a nice job of helping people become more present in the moment, but also thinking of their thoughts as just thoughts rather than not getting caught up by them. So he's a pretty brilliant um, person and author. Perfect. Good. So thank you for all that insight and advice. It's going to be really helpful for our athletes. And uh, now we have a fun part. Um, As we wrap up, we have the rapid fire question portion of our Power Chat podcast. So I'm just going to ask you some quick questions and answers, you know, whatever comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. Favorite female athlete? Ellen Noble. Favorite Olympic sport? I'd say downhill skiing. Last show you binge watched? Outlander. Favorite podcast? Um, Michael Gervais podcast. Last book you read? Russ Harris, uh, The Reality Slap. So to wrap things up, at Her Next Play, we're also all about giving visibility to amazing women leaders. So I wanted to ask you, who is a woman leader who is inspiring you right now? I would say some of the women over at um, the center for the Tucker Center for Girls and Women in Sport. Um, I mean, really, that entire team are doing some really groundbreaking things and really helping us kind of unpeel some of the layers about women and gender and equity and, and asking some hard questions, whether it be how women are portrayed in the media versus how women want to be portrayed. Um, but also talking about the importance of having female coaches for other girls and women. And so I would say like a lot of leaders, just the Tucker Center in general, um, because all of them there, the students included, are doing some pretty groundbreaking stuff. And it's really exciting to, to see and to read and to hear about. Yeah, I 100% agree. We are huge fans of the Tucker Center. And I think we're so lucky here in Minnesota to have them as a resource in our community around female athletes. And they just do so much. So. Well, thank you. We so appreciate you being part of the Power Chat podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Her Next Play Power Chat podcast. We hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www.hernextplay.org to join our booster club as a donor or a volunteer. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Her Next Play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. We'll be back soon for the next Power Chat.